Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most invigorating and interesting and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And don't be afraid of the leaping sparks as you can be certain of one thing, they will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the wisdom of coming up today, the love letters of Aloise and Abelard. you about my new year's resolution that that instead of choosing to do something inherently selfish like exercise more find meaning in life i vowed to go through the entirety of 2023 without bringing up the sopranos on this here podcast like i was thinking maybe i could try to mine vaguely philosophical musings from the utterly hilarious tim allen sitcom last man standing instead But no, you had to go and choose today's focus, Abelard and Eloise, or Abelard and Heloise, or Abelard and He Lewis. I'm not really sure. That's actually kind of my point. It's an indisputable fact that absolutely nobody remembers these two in any of their letters, other than in their involvement in Sopranos, Season 5, Episode 6, titled Sentimental Education. So, thanks if anyone needs a timestamp for this episode. My resolution made it a whole 27 whopping days. So close to February. Oh, if you only spent as much time researching for this podcast as you do on The Sopranos, think of how much better we could be. Talk about settling, man. Okay, well, so let's get to the real work. So for those of you who don't know, Peter Abelard and Eloise are one of the most celebrated couples of all time, known for their love affair and for the tragedy that separated them. Peter Abelard was a French theologian, and he was considered to be one of the greatest philosophical thinkers of the 12th century. And Eloise was at first a student of Abelard's, and a highly intelligent person who excelled at writing. After her relationship with Abelard, Eloise ended up becoming a nun. Okay, so since you've already forced me to crack the seal, I might as well let all the soprano stuff flow. I was pretty lukewarm and 
that's 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 kind of a stupid phrase. Pretty lukewarm. Now that I think about it, it's like saying extremely middling. But whatever. I was simply lukewarm on the on the Sopranos prequel movie, The Many States of Newark. But I've recently discovered some cut scenes that I I can't help but think would have improved the movie. The ones I'm thinking of include a young Tony courting a young Carmela, which, yes, did include the writing of love letters like like this one. So one of them went like this. He said, uh, oh, baby, dreaming about your body makes me drool more than a heaping plate of saucisse and gabagool. Forget about that nerd Freud and his wackadoo idea of the Madonna whore. That's about as dumb as future me having an office in the back of some pork store. You're finer, prettier, hotter than Marilyn Monroe plus Hedy Lamar. With a classy chick like you, I'll never need a gumar. And it just keeps on going like that. Undisputably beautiful. Only way it could be better, maybe, is if... With all that beauty and maybe a little bit more intimacy, Carmela's response helped Tony. Maybe Tony could sharpen his notion of deontological structure within intentionalist ethics. Now, I'm not sure how much you're going to get of that. Is it going to be more of that or kind of just the pure intimacy, the pure love that comes from these letters? Wow, that's quite a love poem from Tony. But as for the rest of what you just said there, as usual, I have no idea how to make any sense of it at all. So I'm just going to begin as if you weren't here. Okay, so the iconic love story of Alois and Abelard takes place in 12th century Paris. The love letters between them, written around 1128, are amongst the the world's most powerful ones. And you could say, in fact, that their love story reaches such dramatic heights that it would have made Shakespeare proud. So, what's the story here? Well, okay, so Abelard was a popular theologian, philosopher, and teacher in Paris whose classes drew students from all over the world. And at one point, he was hired to tutor a gifted young woman named Eloise, who, importantly, was under the supervision of her uncle, Fulbert, one of the city's most influential people. Now, Abelard and Eloise, well, they fell in love with one another pretty much immediately upon meeting each other, a love of both body and mind. I mean, in Abelard's autobiography, written later, he praises Eloise's intelligence and her supreme gift of language. And he also describes the the passionate sexual encounters and clandestine meetings that they had, most of which took place in Eloise's uncle's place, of course. As Abelard himself admits, we shared more kisses than sentences. Now, what happened is that, well, Eloise got pregnant. So what they decided to do, in an attempt to try to placate Fulbert, was to get married something they they didn't want to do, and I'll get to that a bit later. But that didn't help the situation. And to make a long story short, what happened is that what Eloise's uncle eventually did is he hired some thugs to to get his revenge on Abelard for his transgressions. And uh, what form did that revenge take? Well, are you ready for this? So these men stormed into Abelard's home in the middle of the night, and they castrated him. 
Now, after this, Abelard and Eloise were forcibly separated, and several years passed without any communication between them. It turned out that Eloise ended up in a religious commune as a nun, and Abelard returned to his work as a theologian. Now, sometime later, while she's in that religious commune, what happens is that Eloise comes across Abelard's autobiographical work, in which, of course, he's been praising her. So, what she does is she starts to write a few passionate letters to Abelard expressing her love for him, and to return words for words, even though they can't ever be together again. Now, it's these letters to him that we want to focus on today, because they're fascinating and say some really interesting things about love. Okay, so what are some of the things that Eloise says in these letters? Well, she says a lot, but let me just mention a couple of things. So the first thing that stands out is when she talks about how much more love she feels for Abelard than for God himself. She prefers Abelard himself above everything else on earth and in heaven. Now, given the religious context of the time, and the fact that she's now a, a nun, this is pretty radical to say the least. That's to say, what Eloise refuses is this. She refuses the idea that she should love Abelard for the sake of God. But again, this is radical because most people of the time would understand love not as a personal love for other particular people, but as a kind of ladder to reach the divine. In other words, you love someone not fundamentally for their own sake, but for the sake of God. Personal and particular love is a means to the greater love of God. But this is just not what we see in Eloise. No, her love for Abelard is completely unmediated. She loves him for the particular individual that he is, free of any ultimate religious influence or motivation or goal. Actually, you know, let me just deviate here for a moment and get a bit personal. Because in a way, I sort of had an experience that expresses some of this. So, when I was in elementary school, I had a really good friend. And for two years, we used to spend all of our time together. And uh, things stayed pretty much the same until, well, one particular morning. So, there we were one morning, waiting for the, the school bell to ring. And he tells me, out of the blue, that he's become a born-again Christian. Now, being 12 or so, and pretty ignorant, I really had no idea what he was talking about, and so didn't really put much stock into it. But then I did start to notice a few changes in him. I noticed how he was going around trying to proselytize, trying to convert others, trying to save souls. And uh, it was no different with me. Because he loved me, he said. He, he wanted to make sure I, too, was saved. And in all this, I started to notice his comportment with me and others changed, too. It's as if we, as individuals, in ourselves, were not the ultimate object of his concern anymore. Or to put it another way, his religious goals were mediating between his relationship with people. It's as if he didn't see me anymore but instead what he saw was this higher mission that he had. 
Well, okay, so high school quickly came and went. And then at university, we went our own ways. Well, to make a long story short, it turns out that I didn't see him for almost 20 years from that point on. But one day, I decided to track him down and call him and ask him if he wanted to to meet for coffee or something. And he did. And uh, personally, I was excited to meet up, maybe in the hopes of reviving our friendship. Now, at first, everything was fine. Fine, that is, until he asked me what I did. I told him I said I was a philosopher. Well, apparently, he didn't want to hear that. Because, I'm not exaggerating, but within two minutes, he was gone. He made some excuse and left. Even though we'd only been there for ten minutes and hadn't seen each other in 20 years. And he never called me back again. Now, why did he do this? Well, I'm pretty sure it's because he realized that he just wouldn't be able to eventually convert me, that I wasn't a good candidate for him. Now, how horrible and, well, inhuman is that, right? I mean, I wasn't a friend. I was a means. My relationship was conditional to him. But this is what can sometimes happen when we let a higher love dictate or mediate our relationships of this world. It can distort and devalue them. Well, to go back to Eloise, her love for Abelard wasn't like this. Her love was a love for a unique person and for an inimitable individual. Hers wasn't a love in the abstract. It wasn't a conditional love, ultimately grounded in the eternal or in a higher celestial love. Nope, it was an unconditional love that had everything to do with the intimate, personal, physical reality of another individual. It was a gritty, sensual love, one that sees and hears and touches another. And again... This is why she says her love for Abelard is above all else, and that includes above heaven and God. Okay, well, I said that there were a couple of things I wanted to mention from Aloise's letters. So the second thing has to do with what has become a very famous passage. And I think it's worth quoting at least a part of it, because it's so powerful and suggestive. And uh, it's a passage that's certainly helped to ensure her literary notoriety. So, what she writes to Abelard is this. God knows I have never required anything from you except for yourself. I only wanted you, not anything that belonged to you. Now, the name of wife may seem more sacred or more binding to you. But sweeter for me will always be the word mistress, or, if you will permit me, that of concubine or whore. Okay, well, so at least two things stand out here. First, she's clearly not interested in marriage, and this is something she says elsewhere as well. And second, what she really wants is to be considered Abelard's concubine or whore. And what's incredible is she says all of this in the context of expressing her outright, passionate, and genuine love for him. Okay, so what's going on here? 
What's her meaning in all of this? Well, she's clearly not that interested in marriage. Why? Well, it's because what she wants is Abelard for himself and alone, without the sanctions and the restraints of marriage. Her love is extra-marital. She prefers love to wedlock. Okay, but we need to get a bit more specific and provide a bit more explanation here. So I think part of what she means when she says she doesn't want to be a wife, but instead a whore to Abelard, is that she wants to preserve his freedom. She wants him to be who he is, because that's who she loves. Eloise wants Abelard to be the philosopher and theologian that he is, and not be tied down with worldly concerns, which is what she thinks marriage would do. So, that's one aspect of it. But there's more. And it's something that's expressed in the first line of the quote that I read. It's when she says, I have never required anything from you except for yourself. I've never required anything that belonged to you. Now, she goes on to expand on this in a different section of the letter. And what she basically says is this. She says it's actually often the wife that prostitutes herself, not the whore. In other words, Eloise flips the traditional perception of the two terms. To be a whore or concubine and to be a wife, well, they each become the exact opposite of what people think. So, how so? Well, Eloise says that many women marry men for the money or the power that they have. And so, they'll more readily marry a rich man than a poor one. But this is to marry someone for their possessions, not for who they are. And to have your mind on someone's property like this is to be ready to prostitute yourself for a richer man. So the wife, for Eloise, is in effect the real whore. Okay, but when she tells Abelard that she'd rather be his whore or concubine than his wife, how does she understand that then? Well, I think she understands it to be a relationship not based on possession and contractual obligation, but rather simply on someone else's being, the way they are, not what they have. That's what Eloise is telling Abelard. She wants only him and nothing of his. She loves him in a way that leaves him free to be himself, and her also to be herself. I don't know. At the end of the day, whatever we think about all that's said here between these two, one thing is pretty damn clear. These just aren't your everyday love letters. Listening to the Wisdom of Podcast. If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. And as usual, we love to read your questions and comments. Reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on Twitter at wisdom underscore pod. Our next episode Camus the Fall. <laughs>